there is nothing wrong with your internet, do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Welcome to Episode 9 of Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Steve. And I'm Sean Fangirl S. And tonight we'll be discussing Episodes 6 and 7 of The Magicians. Wow, were those some awesome episodes? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yes, and I liked how this one, they they really went one into the other. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the other ones kind of standalone episodes, even though they, they all go together, this one was almost like a two-parter. Yeah, because it picked so. up immediately after the six ended, seven picked right. up. So I I did enjoy these the set, and I got to watch them back-to-back just because of stupid work schedule, but uh, I, I did enjoy it. But before we get into that, Steve has once again worked the magic Google machine. <laughs> And found some news for us from Sci-Fi. All right. Sci-Fi announced that independent filmmaker Craig William McNeil of The Boy and Henley will direct all six episodes of the new limited anthology series Channel Zero Candle Cove, which will premiere in October of 2016. Universal Cable Productions will be the studio. The six-part Candle Cove, the first installment of Channel Zero, is based on an unnerving tale written by Chris Straub that gained notoriety online as a popular creepypasta, user-generated horror stories that are published and passed around the Internet. Candle Cove centers on one man's obsessive recollections of a mysterious childhood children's television program from the 1980s. Can you say Dark Shadows? <laughs> Even though that wasn't the 80s, but that was a creepy tel- children's television I program. Loved- Wait, oh, I Dark Shadows too. was technically for children? No, it wasn't. Oh, oh. It was on as soon as we got out of grade school and run home. Oh, I got to watch it. I got to watch it. Yeah, I remember Dark Shadows Revisited. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> and as ever-growing suspicions about the role it might have played in a series of nightmarish and deadly events from his childhood. Craig is a gifted young director whose cinematic vision will bring a unique perspective to Channel Zero Candle Cove, said Bill McGoldrick, Executive Vice President, Scripted Content, NBC Universal Cable Entertainment. That's a mouthful. Yeah. (laughs) I want to know what he puts on his business card. Yeah, that doesn't fit. (laughs) Yeah, it wouldn't all fit. Guy in charge. That's what it says. Yes. McNeil's feature <laughs> debut was The Boy for Chiller Films, which starred David Moros and Rain Wilson and premiered in competition at the 2015 South by Southwest Film Festival here in Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm so jealous you guys have that because I keep getting info on it. I really want to go. Yes, we need to get Carolee involved, seeing that she lives in Austin. <laughs> the Boy is based on a short film, Henley, which screened as an official selection at the 20, 
2012 Sundance Film Festival. Henley was awarded the Grand Jury Prize for Best Short Film at the 2011 Gen Art Film Festival and the Carmel Film and Arts Festival. His first short film, Late Bloomer, was screened as an official selection at the 2005 Sundance Film Festival and went on to win awards at film festivals worldwide, including the Audience Award for Best Short Film at the 2004 Lake Placid Film Festival. McNeil is represented by WME and the Gotham Group. That man's been busy. Yes, he has, doing some <laughs> award-winning uh, short films, that's for sure. Yeah. McNeil marks the latest indie filmmaker Sci-Fi has brought aboard to direct its high-profile projects. Oscar nominee Juan Carlos Fresnadillo Esposados will direct the pilot of Prototype. Mike Cahill, Another Earth, helmed the Magician's pilot, and David and Alex Pastor, Los Ultimos Diaz, directed the Incorporated pilot. Nick Antosca, Hannibal, Friday the 13th, and Teen Wolf, a novelist and screenwriter, wrote the Channel Zero Candle Cove pilot and will serve as executive producer alongside Max Landis, who did The Chronicle and American Ultra. The second yet-to-be-announced six-episode of season of Channel Zero will premiere on Sci-Fi in 2017. So Channel Zero sounds like it's going to be different stories every season. Season, yes. Okay. And I wonder if it's going to be anything along the lines of, and this might be a really big stretch, how American Horror Story is different, but they're all supposed to be connected. I mean, we haven't had any news that they're all going to be connected somehow, right? Right, yeah. Okay. Well, it should be interesting, though, yeah, what we, we get. We'll, we will see if they find a way to connect stories. That that might make it even more interesting. Now, just a couple other tidbits. Uh, the Magicians was nominated for a Saturn Award. Award for Best Fantasy TV Series. Yay. Congratulations. <laughs> and we have titles for the last two episodes. Episode 12 is entitled 39 Graves. Uh-oh. Yeah, must be uh, something to do with uh, the missing students. And the season finale, not series because they've already been given season two. Have you brought me little cakes? Huh? <laughs> Wait, why do I feel like that had something to do with, was it Ginny? The one that, um, oh crap, what's her name? Tasha Yar. Denise oh, Crosby. Yeah, yes. I feel like it had something to do, that like, she said something in the previous episode. That right. In. That, that might have mentioned little cakes. Little cakes. I don't know why, but <laughs> that, that's jarred something loose or just because I like cake. I don't know. It could be either one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's jump into this. We're doing episode six first because six comes before seven and that makes sense. So impractical application. The first years must pass a set of challenges called the trials set by the third years. During these, Quentin and Penny reconcile, Alice and Quentin share secrets, and Katie confesses the truth about her using Penny. Quentin turns into a goose at the end of the trials, Meanwhile, in an attempt to steal spells from Marina, Julia teams up with an older hedgewitch who has also had connections with Marina. The older hedgewitch turns out to be Katie's mother and dies in the process of stealing the cabinet of spells from Marina's safe house. So, that sounds crazy. <laughs> it was. Yes, it was actually um, I'm quite gruesome. Yeah. I was actually watching this with my husband. 
<laughs> and he he looked at me when everything happened in this episode, and he's like, what channel is this normally on? <laughs> and I'm like, sci-fi, prime time. And he goes, they show this on prime time? And then the language, which he had to tell me twice, because I'm like, holy cow. Okay, are they really saying all this? <laughs> he goes, no, it's like kind of, not bleeping it out, but it's, you know, where you don't hear the whole word. He goes, but your brain's putting it in. Right. And I didn't believe him. I had I had to rewind. Seriously, I was like, no way. They're saying it. Yes. They're saying the words. He goes, no, they're not. I swear I did not believe him. But he's like, I can't believe this is sci-fi. I'm like, that's because this has gotten insane and I love this show. Yes. And it's on cable. So, yes, they can uh, say things that you yeah, don't hear on Yeah, but they now. weren't saying what I was filling in. Oh, okay. <laughs> because like I thought they were saying the whole word but they weren't okay I was just kind of surprised I'm like wait what what the <laughs> yeah it was one of those I just couldn't I was surprised there was I didn't even get a warning for strong language and nudity wow <laughs> <laughs> okay let's start at the beginning when you have Quentin in in the house and he's reading and he's all oh no wait, actually back up even further because we start back before that, and I almost forgot, because Penny and Katie are still talking to Alice and Quentin at the beginning of this episode. Right. About Penny traveling and ending up in the other dimension. Fillery. <laughs> and Penny just refused to believe it. And so, you know, Katie at first is like, well, maybe he has good information. You know, he and Alice is like, yeah, he studied it. He knows all about it. And unfortunately, Quentin is a little too excited about Fillory <laughs> and not paying attention that there's a woman trapped there all chained up and the beast is there. Right. <laughs> and he's worried about animals. And did they talk to you? <laughs> right. And were there dwarves there? Because that's who built it. And it's like, yeah, I'll back it up. <laughs> you need to pay attention. Uh, was it so some course, dungeon, you hobbit loving freak? <laughs> right? <laughs> There's no hobbits in Fillory. Oh, really? That's what you got out of that? So, yeah, Penny and Katie leave, and Quentin is just kind of mad. So, he's, I'm assuming he's reading a Fillory book when we see him. And he's always, I don't know if you, you've noticed this, and actually later in the test, He's always sitting with like his legs up or on his toes. I don't know how he does that. Now, I will sit all cockeyed. I won't sit normal and on the couch or whatever. I'm like, have my legs up under me. And I'm looking, going, how the heck does he do this? Because you know, it's take after take after take. Right. I'm like, how can you continue to do this and not have your freaking legs <laughs> cramp up or fall asleep? That's what I'm thinking immediately because I'm weird. I can't help it. But. When you're watching it and he's just sitting there and all of a sudden he's like, okay, somebody being deliberately creepy. Oh, that's most of the people in that house. So he starts walking and then next thing we know, we have somebody screaming, holding a knife, wearing a mask. And again, the comment I get from my husband at this point is, you know, even if you're an actor and you know this is coming, that's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> because you have nothing. And even though you have all these people on set, it's supposed to be just you. And you're like, all right. What the hell is going to happen? Although it would have been funnier if they didn't exactly tell, you know, it wasn't in his script what was going to happen. Right. <laughs> oh, that would have been horrible. Uh, so they take him and 
the trials begin. Which I thought it was interesting because they do say the staff is all gone because they know this is what happens and they're the ones who said to make it happen. Right. So kind of interesting that the teachers have let the students become teachers. <laughs> so you want to yeah. talk about the first test? Oh, yeah. The, the, the oh, test sorry, the first were, trial. were so good. Yes. <laughs> they give each of the uh, four a different task. Oh, well, no, 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 no. That's no, the no, second no. one. The first yeah. one is the spell that they have to work together to come up with. Right. And this is when Penny and Quentin reconcile. Right. And they, they decide they, the best way to do this is to cheat. Right. And the third person <laughs> who's working with them is not anybody we've ever seen before. So no. He's, he's a red shirt, basically. <laughs> you would because think. If, right. Why don't they just put everybody in red shirts? shirts. I don't know. Because that's so bad. They all have to work together, but that guy refuses to work with them when they're going to cheat. Because Quentin figures out, well, if you have to be a genius to figure this out, Alice has probably got this going. Penny all of a sudden's like, well, I can't, you know, just walk over and get it from her. But, but. <laughs> well, I, can, I do uh, have this little trick. Yeah. <laughs> but did you notice that when it was happening, when he astral projected to get the information, that Alice was looking around, though, like she felt him there? Oh, yeah. She definitely could feel something around her. Which I thought was weird because I thought nobody was supposed to, to know. And I I assumed that the Beast knew he was there because he's like the big bad. Right. But Alice has these powers too. Mm-hmm. Makes me wonder what's going on there. <laughs> Moving on. Well, with her light bending abilities, I'm sure that it is probably easier for her to sense an astral projection than it would be for anybody else. Oh, see, I never thought about it that way. Because it is bending the light around him. Did you study that for this? <laughs> this test, didn't you, Steve? <laughs> no, I just really got into these episodes. <laughs> they were just, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, I know. They were just so good. Let me see. So we have Margot and Elliot who are, you know, running it because they're the only ones that we know. So that's why they keep showing them. But Elliot, I love it, goes up to Quentin and Penny and he's like, I know you guys cheated. Yeah. Congratulations. (laughs) Moving on to the next one. And then they look and the other guy's gone and he's like, "Mm, we're weeding him out, remember? Because the guy refused to help them, refused to cheat. Right. I felt a little bad. But the guy kind of, I'm sorry, he kind of went all punk. He's like, I'm going to do this by myself. And he's like covering his paper. Really? Yeah. Really? The second trial, though, was um, what you were starting to say. Right. Where? It, it was fun that Margot actually, you know, tries to get um, Quentin to celebrate, you know, passing the first test and hands him a bottle and drink up, drink up, and sure as... <laughs> as soon as he drinks it. Well, she was... I, I side note. Rewind. Blah, blah, blah. She was really knowledgeable about fillery. Yes. And so I'm thinking that that's not a coincidence either, that she didn't just do it for this, that she actually knew because she was quoting the book. Yes, she was. So I'm wondering if that's going to come into play more too. I think it will. We shall find out soon. Because we have more than one person that has some knowledge. Yes, which is good. Mm -hmm. We need this. 
<laughs> and with what's going on in the next episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, let's see, let's see. So, yeah, uh, Quentin finally drinks up, and Margot drinks in her, her own bottle and kind of laughs because Quentin's like, did you roofie me? <laughs> And out goes the light. Nighty night, Q. All right. <laughs> now, you were starting to talk about the second trial. You were just getting them a little mixed up. So you want to go ahead and go with that? Yes. Uh, Elliot's there when uh, Quentin wakes up, and he's giving the task to uh, catch a fish with a bow and arrow. Which just is so easy. Yeah. Haven't you been... Fish hunting? Fish hunting with a bow and arrow? <laughs> I mean... Wait. Yeah, that's what it's called, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's with a one arrow. <laughs> yeah, with one arrow only. I guess it could have been worse. He could have said, uh, do it with your hands. Right. Now, of course, he wasn't the only one that was given a strange task. Alan, Alice is supposed to chop down a tree with a rope, and Katie is supposed to catch a pheasant with a net, and Penny is told to catch a horse with an axe. Right. <laughs> Yeah, well, he can. Just, did you need it alive? Yeah. (laughs) And it would take quite a while to chop down a tree with a rope. I know. I I thought she was creating some kind of, I don't know, fulcrum at first. Right. Because she, I don't know what she was doing, like moving, trying to get multiple trees. It was weird. But it's finally Penny. Actually, it's not Penny. It's Penny and Katie, kind of, because... Katie is freaking the hell out. Right. And Penny talks to her, and because of talking to her, he realizes that they need to work together because sometimes magic isn't all about, or sometimes being a magician isn't all about About magic. magic. Right. Cooperation is a big part. So I did like that. He's the one who figured it out, you know, okay, I have what you need, and they kind of go from there and figure it out. But I love that Quentin is the one, okay, I'll go get the horse, give me the rope. And they look, they all look at him. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's like junior cowboy camp. <laughs> and he actually does get the horse mm-hmm. um, and comes back. I hated junior cowboy camp. <laughs> I was cracking up. I don't know about you because it was just completely random. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I thought it was hilarious. It's the the old, you know, parents send you away to summer camp and you're miserable the whole time you're there. And you just see that in Quentin's face. Right. (laughs) It was not a pleasant experience for him. But I mean, you got to think he must have wanted to be a cowboy for them to be like, let's send him to cowboy camp. (laughs) Otherwise, that's the most random crap any parent has ever come up with. I'm just putting that out there. Well, we can tell that, you know, he's not really athletic, so it's not like they could send him to basketball camp or anything like that. So I don't know. I never went away to camp. <laughs> yeah, me. I don't know. Probably because I was always stuck babysitting over the summer. Good times. Anyway, it's moving on from my blah, childhood. <laughs> Let's go to the third trial. This was actually, I thought, really interesting because of course Quentin thinks it's not real but it turns out that there's secret magic or secrets magic I should say right and it's when you divulge a really big secret to somebody else so they had to do this with each other they had to pair up and and do this and bind their hands and the uh 
the rope would fall away once the truth was told. Right. But I guess it had to be super deep because you could sit there and tell truth all day. And if it wasn't a big secret, then it would never come off. Right. And we see that with uh, Penny and Katie. Right. You know, Penny starts rattling stuff off and the rope just doesn't move. And, of course, they have to be naked to do this, so. Yeah, that's why I think that Quentin's like, yeah, I think they're just screwing with us. <laughs> Elliot's like that. But in the end, it, it made a whole lot more sense. Yes. Yes, it did. Which we'll get to that at the end. The end. Let me see. What were we? Oh, yeah. Penny and Katie, of course, pair up and they're naked and they're telling truths to each other. And. I was really interested to see what Penny's deep, dark secret was going to be. Right. And when he, he kind of laid a bomb on Katie. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that he was following in love with her and that was a secret. And there goes the ropes. And I think Katie kind of freaked out, not just because she was afraid to tell her secret, which is, you know, she's basically using everybody because she can't tell anybody she's using them because of Marina. Marina. I'm like, M name, M name. <laughs> uh, because of her, because we still don't know what the situation is. Right. But she tells him that she's using him and everybody else and stealing things. And next thing you know, the ropes fall away from her and she kind of runs away. Yes. And you see Penny start to spaz out. Right. And I thought it was something because she was leaving and it was some weird connection thing. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what it was. <laughs> But we have Quentin and Alice on a roof. Yeah. Why they pick the roof? Maybe it's the most secluded place? Probably. And, you know, who's going to think to look up on a rooftop to see naked, For naked people? people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess all the second year people would know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I love the... And I think it was before she actually had the ropes on. Yeah. Because Alice is still dressed. She's like, let's drink because maybe this will give us courage. She says something along the lines of, because I can't remember what Quentin said. I just watched this freaking thing and I can't remember. I need to take notes. And she's like, yeah, you're talking to somebody who lost her virginity fully clothed. I'm like, what? Well, yeah. <laughs> like, well, you have that to have something magic. exposed. <laughs> yeah. Something had to not be clothed, but we'll, we'll move on from there. And the whole time, like, as they're getting undressed and Quentin just looks kind of awkward, I'm saying, don't look. Keep your eyes forward, Quentin. Yeah. Look. I'm assuming this is, like, his internal monologue. Right. Exactly. And don't she's look. trying to do the same thing, and neither one of them are completely successful at it. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was funny. I'm horrible. I think I'm a horrible person. <laughs> and they put, like, the weird paint on Yes. And I did. It almost seemed like an Indian ritual. Right. I didn't get why it was white when he put it on her, but black when she put it on him. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, I thought it was mixed because when Penny and Katie did it, I thought it was just all white. Right. Kind of gray. Like, maybe it was mixed in there. I don't know. But uh, you do have something on here that you caught that I didn't even catch until you wrote this. Right. Because, of course, they're naked. It's not working. So then they, they're semi-dressed. Quentin puts on his underwear. And Alice is in a shirt as they're counting down the times. 
or the time because they had to do this by like midnight or something. Right. Yes. And then you you had realized that Alice has a shirt on, but her wrists are still bound. Right. <laughs> Oops. It's like, did she untie it and put it back on? <laughs> or was that just a continuity error? I think that was a continuity error. I thought that was kind of, I mean, at least fake it, have her arms like all the way, like not in the sleeves or something. Right. It's kind of down. I, I don't know, but I didn't catch it. So I, I don't know how many other people did. But if you did, podcast at gmail.com. That is no. Yeah, I want to know if, if Steve's the only one out of us that really paid attention to that part. But they give away their secrets. Mm-hmm. And Alice's is kind of a big secret. Yes, it is. That she's just always holding back. And the fact that she holds back so much is something that she's, I thought, was almost ashamed of. Yeah. Because she knows she can do more, but she's afraid. But she doesn't want to be the outcast. And then Quentin's secret is he's always running away from everything. Even when he's there, right. in a place that he feels like he should Belongs, be. and right. he's still running from it. Right. And so their bonds, you know, fly away as well. And the next thing we know, again, we have Quentin spasming. Right. And he falls over the edge, and I freaked out. But Alice was gone. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, they can't kill him. Right. And then all of a sudden you see this geese trying yeah, this- to fly. You're like, oh, this is a struggle. <laughs> and you go, oh. And you see a whole Flock set of them. geese, yeah, that are, like, taking off. And next thing we know, we see them going to a palace, I guess is what it kind of looked like, that was in, in some very snowy area and a, a very distraught-looking gentleman putting on a hat to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He just like, oh, you know, Not and he goes out and like, wow, okay. Had no idea what was going on with that. And I was um, a little surprised, but that goes into the next episode. So we'll get to that a little more in a bit. Because <laughs> I don't want to go right into the next episode because we have stuff we haven't talked about for this yes. episode. <laughs> so go ahead. Take it away, Steve. All right. Well, Julia is still on her I don't even know what to call her obsession to get more magic. That's a good thing to call it. Yeah, because it is an obsession. Yes, she has gone crazy with it. Yes. And she goes back to the first place that um, she found out about. And it doesn't go well once again as she tries to bully the bartender into giving her information. Finally, she leaves he comes out and says, here, I know this place. It's an hour north. They're stronger than we are. Don't come back. <laughs> right. Because uh, Marina's all over us, and we don't need this uh, coming back to bite us anymore. I'm kind of surprised Marina's being such a hard ass about everything, though. Because if she kicked her out, where did she think she was going to go? She was going to try to find another hedge. Right. But not in New York, as far as Marina is concerned. You're going to have to leave the state because the state is hers. <laughs> Maybe the whole East Coast. I don't like her. Oh, no. Not at all. Mm. She takes off, goes to this place. It's a house that has a, an eviction notice. Right. So I was thinking that it was a ruse by Marina and she was sending her up there to 
like get killed or something. Yeah. So I don't know. I was kind of worried. And it turns out this person followed her there. And lo and behold, it's another head witch. It's very hard to say that, by the way. Yes. <laughs> Hedge witch. There we go. Yeah. Only because there's a, a city close to me called Hegwish. <laughs> and I keep wanting to say that. Yeah. <laughs> so she's looking for somebody to basically create a, a hedge with. And she figures she's, you know, um, Julia's really powerful because she can feel it. And Marina had done the same thing to this woman. This woman ends up being Katie's mother. Because we find out because they're trying to figure out a way to steal the magic from Marina. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, I have a way in. Turns out it's Katie. Because right. Katie can pretty much come and go. But it's very difficult to talk Katie into it because she we don't know what happened between her and her mother. No. And she kind of throws don't. this right. She kind of throws this information out to Julia that there was some big heist she's supposed to do and she couldn't follow through and two people died and some Marina had to clean up and so now I'm Marina's lapdog. It's right. kind of all we got. Yeah. yeah. And I her mother like failed in a task and ended up having to give Marina, her daughter, as a lap dog. Right. That's messed up. Yes, very messed up. I don't get how, okay, I screwed up, so now you have to give me your daughter. Yeah. Uh, what? That well, it's sense. either that or die, so yeah, I, I can see that happening. I guess, but it was, it seemed that Katie's mother was almost like strung out too. Yeah. Because she hadn't had a chance to do magic with anybody for a while. Mm-hmm. So they go back and forth and they do manage to give Katie a spell that gets in. And I don't think that's what, well, Katie didn't think it was a spell, which is basically what they called the fish hook. Right. And Marina seen it and wasn't too concerned with it. So just kind of threw it to the side. But whose idea do you think it was to give Katie that's, or have Katie take the spell, I should say, and tell her it was something else. I think it was her mom, because I don't think Julia... Knew that she would do that? Right. Okay. I mean, the whole idea was Julia's to begin with. She she came up with the fish hook idea. Right. And yes, it was Katie who got it inside. Without realizing it. Right. That was kind of, I don't know. Yeah, it was. I I felt about her using her like that. That's on Penny's arm. Really? I didn't even pay attention to that. Yeah. It was another anchor. So it automatically reminded me of the anchor that is on Penny's arm. So. Because Julia does say something about, oh, you can't get into it in this realm. Right. And I'm like, how does she know all of this? I mean, Quentin is still learning this stuff. And like Julia all of a sudden just knows. It seems odd. But I guess we'll find out more soon. Yes. All right, so let me see. Julia thinks she's going to be able to do this all on her own. And Katie's mom ends up coming in and stopping her because she's like, no, you don't understand. You could have killed yourself. Right. When Julia was doing the uh, magic, when moving her hands, did you see, like, it didn't just look like spider webs or anything between her hands. It looked like words. Hmm. And I don't remember ever noticing that when any of them do anything. No. I just noticed, like, sometimes, you know, like, light between them or whatever. Right, yeah. That I thought it was just it sparking like power type thing. Yeah, it, it might have. So I don't know if that's something 
that's a big, big thing. But Katie and you, or sorry, Katie's mom and Julia do the spell and they pull the cabinets from Marina's and, uh, they're kind of freaking out over that hedge. Oh yeah. And Julia's cussing or not. Jeez. I keep mixing them up. Marina is Marina's definitely not happy. Like, <laughs> but she stopped her guy from doing any spells to stop it. So I didn't know why she would do that, but I guess we kind of find out. Yeah. And I think really what it was, was Marina, when she saw the the anchor, she knew what was about to happen, mm-hmm. even though she played it off like, no, this is nothing, mm-hmm. and actually had the file cabinets set up to deliver what they ended up delivering was blank yes. papers and... A ca- like a curse. A almost. curse that ended up taking... Katie's mom out. That was pretty messed up, too, the way they did it. Oh, yeah. Because, brain hemorrhage. Yes. Well, because Katie's mom grabs the papers first, so I guess we should be glad yeah. that it was her. And she's looking through, and all of a sudden, we see one paper that says, nice try. Mm-hmm. And then her nose starts bleeding, and she's bleeding from her eyes, and just, it's like her head exploded. It's almost. There's just <laughs> so much blood coming out. And she just tells Julia to run, run because Marina's coming. Right. And so Julia tries to call 911 or whatever, and that's pretty much how it ends for this episode. So we have our main cast flying away as geese. Yeah. (laughs) We have Julia covered in blood with a body, and it's like, holy crap, what next? (laughs) And I guess that'll take us to episode seven so we can get the rest of what happened here. Yes, the Mayakowski circumstance. An uncompromising professor pushes boundaries both in magic and in the personal lives of his first-year student. Meanwhile, Julia must decide whether she's ready to accept help and what that means for her future as a magician. So we start with what we find out is the Antarctic. Right? Yes. So the crew that was were a bunch of geese <laughs> end up down in the Antarctic, which apparently is like, I don't know, Breakville South. <laughs> <laughs> because they have a teacher to work with down there, and they're all working with different teachers, and of course our little group is together. Because why else throw anybody else in there that we don't know or care about right now? Right. And instantly they tried talking to each other and they're shut down pretty quick because the crazy teacher, and I'm sorry, but yes, he seemed like kind of a nutter, you know, pops up from a chair. Love Brian O'Byrne in this (laughs) role. When I heard his voice, I went, oh, yes, I I love this guy. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was in Last Ship last season. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. And he was playing Irish, though. Yeah, he is Irish. <laughs> oh, is he? Yes. But he's playing Russian in yeah. this. I love I love when they do that. They, you know, just totally screw me up. <laughs> David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> Crabby, and he's like, all right, sit down. You have to do magic. And, of course, they're like, okay, well, we know this. And he looks at them. He's like, oh, you think you do. Yeah. And right away, I'm like, Oh, no, this could be bad. Yes. And, well, it is. Yes. <laughs> it's bad because he takes away all their voices. And, and they have to do this spell that drives a nail straight through a board without their voice. Right. Which um, I'm sure is something that they can do because others have done it. But they have still, you know, they're still trying to feel out their powers, I guess, and learn everything. So it's kind of a handicap, but it's something that I guess could come in handy later because you can't just always be spouting off 
I guess strange words would be the word, what I'm looking for, you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in public. Of course, they're working on it and everybody's getting frustrated because you see them in their dorms and the right. teacher's just walking and you just see door after door of people not being able to get this to happen. And Alice, of course, is the first one that almost gets it. Right. She gets it in, but can't drive it all the way through without bending the nail. And Quentin gets it standing up, but then can't get it to start even start going into the wood. But they do eventually both get it. And I'm assuming they're one of the first ones. Yes, I think that. Alice was the first one, and Quentin ended up being the second one just shortly thereafter. But, of course, before they actually get the nails to go in, we yes. have the teacher, who's like, because they're in the rooms across from each other, looking at each other, and they're just frustrated and kind of like, you know, when you're in trouble and you can't talk to your sibling. Right. You're looking at him from your room. Uh-huh. You're just, like, giving them looks, and you know what each other's thinking. But the teacher comes in, and this, again, is one of those signs that I had to rewind. I'm like, wait, did he say? He, yes. <laughs> Because I think he said it basically in a very abrupt way. Yes. <laughs> he said, perhaps you two should just sleep with each other. <laughs> I'm much, much more crude. Yeah. And they they both kind of like, what? <laughs> and it, it's, I think at this point when Quentin is really starting to get irritated. Oh, yeah. Like, Excuse me. He gets uh, real upset because he actually does finally get it done and he, the teacher kind of comes back and says oh you think you deserve a medal or something and quentin just goes off he raises his hands up and all these nails follow his hands and he slams it down and we see a nice little spelled word on the board <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was pretty funny i'm a horrible person i know and uh, the teacher looks and looks at him just like whatever no he actually he to- had a great comment that oh that's the smartest thing you've said since you've been here or something like that. Right. But yeah, it's just like, whatever, you suck. And what was it? Oh, your next spell is learn how to take all the nails out. Right. (laughs) Because I think it was something that he wasn't expecting Quentin to be able to do. Right. Especially since he he had such a hard time with the single nail. And all of a sudden, you know, he does all of these nails all at once. And I don't know if it was more he was pushing him because he... He knows what's going on, and obviously, you know, our new people don't have a clue, and the teachers all seem to know. Right. Or if he just knew that Quentin is more than what he's portraying at this point. So what do you think? I really think it is that they all know what each of them are capable of, what lies within each of them, and I think they're pushing them to get that out. Okay, because, because they they're aware need of it. the beast and they're they're aware of what's going on and it's only a matter of time before Bright Bills gets attacked and they're doing everything they can to try to get these at least these four mm-hmm. ready. Okay. I, War I, is com- or winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, winter is coming. Okay. Let's see cuz then they all have to take control of an animal. Right. Although it wasn't really, I don't know, they're all insects. Bugs. (laughs) So I guess it's not an animal, it's an insect. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yes. A different life form. After they were all given back their voices, by the way. 
but Quentin and Alice just either can't or refuse to. Right. I think it was more refuse to, and once again, he lays it on him that says, well, if you can't do this, you're out of here, and maybe you shoot two should team up together. And he gives them a bunch of, like, fireflies. Yeah, that's... To put through... The Quidditch rings, that's yeah, all I kept thinking exactly. they were. <laughs> but he's like, all right, if one of them hits the ring, it'll zap you. Mm-hmm. So they concentrate on one, they get it through, and they, they get all excited. <laughs> I'm sorry. They get all excited, and I don't know if Quentin went to, like, high five Alice or, right. like, give her, like, hit her hand, but he grabbed her boobs. Yeah. <laughs> And he's like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And she's like, okay, that's all right. Don't worry about it. And next thing we know, which I'm assuming it's somehow he he controlled them and screwed up. Like, all the flies went into, like, hit the ring and zapped them. Right. And next thing we know. <laughs> he goes down. Yeah. Because he was, like, seriously shocked because of it. And we have the teacher waking him up, you know, throwing water on his face. But it wasn't water. No. He's <laughs> hitting him with vodka. Russian vodka. And I love that at one point, too, the teacher is drinking absinthe, by the way. Yes. Like sugar cube and all. It's like, all right, you know, they're doing, I'm assuming that was supposed to be wormwood that he was pouring it over. I don't know. Right. Ah, We're going totally old school with absinthe. He's probably going to be blind in a matter of days. So, of course, he tells them to get undressed again. I know. I felt bad. Really? (laughs) I felt bad because Alice. What's up with that? (laughs) And he shoves them outside and basically locks the door. Right. (laughs) And everything that happened when they were outside seemed kind of fast to me. Yes, it was very, um, it was cut that way. (laughs) Okay. Edited that way to... Okay, it wasn't just me like, wait, did I miss something? No, no. All right, it was. I feel better. Flash, 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 flashlight. Flash, they're foxes. Flash, they're wolves. Flash, they're human in the snow. and Making out. Yeah. And, well, they were making out as all three, as foxes, as wolves, and as humans. So he knew that there was something there, and he wasn't wrong. (laughs) Yeah. And he asks, oh, no, Quentin asks if this is going to change everything. And Alice is like, what was it? Did she say not unless you want it to, or did she just say no? Like I said, it all seemed to happen so fast that I feel like I just plugged in words. Right. Yeah. I think it was something like, it doesn't have to. Okay. But I wanted them to be together. Right. And it so still may happen. I, You know, I, there's there's some feelings there that both of them are sharing, and it's possible that it could develop. Okay. I think we'll it see. will over time. Well, because it does happen again later, too. Yeah. Because he, they come back, and they're actually inside, and they're in their rooms, and because he finally let them inside because they controlled, you know, animals. But. I felt like they turned into the animals, didn't control them, so I don't know how right. that worked yeah, out. No, that, that, and I, that was the thing that I, that impressed the professor was that Quentin picked a fox. To yeah, turn I into. wasn't quite understanding because yeah, when he asks him at the end, I didn't understand why he was so fixated that he p- picked the fox. I mean, did you get something out of it, or is it just because he actually chose something to turn into? No, I believe it was actually because of foxes are, they're survivors. They are really aren't predators. They're more survivors. Okay. And I think that's what actually, you know, impressed him. You know, they didn't turn into a, you know, a bear, polar bear or anything like that. They, mm-hmm. they turned into something that 
would that could survive, be able whatever. to survive almost anything that they encountered while they were out there. Okay, that makes sense. But when they do come back in and they're talking, Alice gets a little cozy, I guess, and mm-hmm. kisses them and fade to black. Yes, and yeah, looking at the actual script, what I pull for scripts, and mm-hmm. yeah, the words are there. <laughs> so maybe they heard the word like <laughs> I gotcha. Like I thought said that, that you did. <laughs> but we had a storyline with Penny because Penny had gotten the tattoo was it was last episode. Right. In episode six, we've got to mention it. To anchor him. Yes. And the teacher in this one is like, no, 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 no. You have to learn to control it. I'll teach you. Yeah. And comes at him with like, I don't even know what that thing was. I think it was like a fabric cutter. Yes. It was something to do with fabrics. I've seen one of those before and I don't know what they are, but it's. (laughs) And I'm assuming he didn't just kind of mess up the tattoo. No. He took the whole thing off. (laughs) It's like, um, isn't there like a magical laser removal? Yeah. Seriously. Yes. I I would have gone that route or at least gave Penny some of the alcohol that you're downing before you go at him with that. Exactly. And I don't know how he's putting his teeth or something. Bite down on this something. Jeez. And I don't know how he was exactly teaching him anything (laughs) when, you know, Penny's like kind of phasing in and out. He's like, oh, I was at my hometown and I was in the desert. And he's just like, again. Again, and he it, comes what back are you and teaching he's him? trying to put himself out because he right. went into a volcano. Right. He's like, oh, you're fine. Again. What? What? <laughs> you survived. Why aren't you, you teaching? Back. Go again. <laughs> he wanted him to go off to planet. Outer space because he yes. kept, yeah, he, he kept saying Earth. to go uh, off planet. Could have died. <laughs> There's not air. You know, are you giving him oxygen? Yeah. How is it? Is he supposed to have like a bubble around him? What's going on? You're not teaching him. You're just like, again, again, do over, do over. Go somewhere but Katie, interesting. Yeah. Katie actually lets down her guard so that Penny can find out everything. Right. Because he says, I almost died. So I need to know what's going on with us. Yes. So she lets him find out. And I was really surprised. Yeah. But, but we still didn't find out. Right. <laughs> It's like, okay, that's cool. Now the characters know, but can you clue us in? Exactly. But I was really surprised that she did it at all. So Penny tries to think of a way to help Rao to get out from under Marina. Right. Because at this point, she has no idea her mom's dead. Right. They're going to steal a super spell and use that as a bargaining chip to convince Marina to release Katie. And But this is weird, and I didn't understand this part. Because, of course, Mayakovsky, the teacher, was able to, like, when she let down her, her wards, she called them, um, she he was able to, like, read her mind and everything, too. Right. I didn't understand that unless he is a traveler, and I'm assuming that's what they're trying to say, and that's why he's self-medicating with so much alcohol, too. More than likely. But he's like, okay, I have to, you know, he goes to her room. And takes the spell back right away. Yes. And he tells her that I I know what happened. I know everything. And Breakbills knows everything. How the hell did they know? And why didn't they know before this? That's a good And I really didn't understand. I mean, those couple episodes back when she goes to get Julia, when Marina and Julia were breaking in, why didn't they know something then? Exactly. And we're waiting, you know, several episodes later. <laughs> I didn't get that. 
And I, I really didn't understand that Mayakovsky was like, well, you shouldn't go back because they'll deal with you harshly. Well, we don't know what's going to happen because I'm assuming they still want these four to work together. That's why they're pushing him so far. Right. But you know, he's like, well, your mom's dead. So you're free from Marina and you shouldn't go back to break bills. So because of that, too, I'm kind of feeling like, wait, whose side is he on? Right. And I'm confused with that. Yes. So what did you get from that? Basically, I think it's another one of those, let's throw a major obstacle in front of them and see if they are the able to work through it. Similar to what they did with Quentin and Alice, throwing them out in the snow naked. Oh, okay. I think it was it's probably one of those type of tests. Now, will it actually cause some major issues? I think it will, because I think Katie definitely will not want to go back to break bills. Now, it well, doesn't we don't know mean where that, she's gone. Right. You know, she she leaves and Penny's completely tore up about it. Mm. But I do believe that when push comes to shove, Katie will be there. I hope so. Yeah. Because now that we know a little bit of her background and why she was helping Marina. Right. Then maybe I don't hate her as much. Right. And I think it will come to pass that, yes, she will do something that will get the Dean of Break Bills to basically forgive her of her sins because they really weren't her sins. Anyway, that's why I kind of feel like it's strange because, I mean, they gave Quentin another chance. They sought out Alice again. Uh huh. They're pushing for Penny to, to learn everything that he needs to learn. That's why I'm thinking that this teacher may have just said that assuming, but that that wasn't exactly what the dean would have said. Right. And so now I'm worried about what's going to happen. But again, something we'll find out soon enough, I guess. So shall we go back to Julia? Because we've pretty much finished up with our break bills crew. Right. Yes, Julia is in jail getting interrogated by an officer who basically admits that she had a brain hemorrhage and she's free to go, but no telling how long she'd been there, probably overnight, because it was enough that it got noticed by two people we hadn't met before, and one of them we still haven't met, but we find out that her sister shows up to pick her up from the police station. Now, when they say it's her sister, I'm immediately thinking Marina. Yeah, there. that's what I and, thought, too. And then I'm like, who is this woman? <laughs> oh, she has a real sister. A real sister. Oh, my goodness. That was interesting because, of course, they, you know, she takes her back to her house. Well, Julia's place and it's a mess. And she's like, oh, I'm going to clean it up tomorrow. And her sister's like, oh, that's fine. I'll stay with you. Make sure you're settled. We find out a little bit of Julia's past in regards to her father being an alcoholic. Right. And, you know, her sister and her mother are worried about her because her boyfriend was worried about her. And I love how she just throws it out that he doesn't even remember me. He doesn't know I exist. Right. And her sister just lets it go. Like, he was worried about you last month. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you don't hear what I'm saying Same. to you. No, she did not. But again, we find out a little bit about the past and I guess future. I don't know how to talk about that because Julia's sister is talking about how her mother doesn't want this in the paper, which I don't understand why it would be in the paper just because Julia was with somebody who died when they said it was a brain hemorrhage. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whatever. Because her mom apparently is some uppity socialite. Yes. 
who knows a lot of judges who would commit Julia. Mm-hmm. And her sister wants to help her and keep her where she can get help and not be put away and kind of forgotten about by her mother. Right. Which you have to, you know, at least you think that the sister is not completely on the mother's side of wanting to put Julia away, but... We really don't know. Yeah, we don't. It's very possible that her sister is right there with mom and is going to make sure it happens. And it's very ironic that, you know, they mention, you know, institutionalized and all this when, you know, when the series started, it was Quentin that was in the institution and not Julia. And now Quentin's out and Julia's about to get put in. Right. And Julia had trapped Quentin in his own like brain brain institution. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's very interesting how things have changed. Yes. So I think we covered our episodes pretty well. Oh, we haven't mentioned Elliot and Margo. Oh my gosh. They're how getting ready I to forget? party. I don't know how I forgot that because I was laughing very hard <laughs> at one point. Uh, yeah, they're, yeah. This awesome party and they always have to bring a gift. Yes. <laughs> and so. Somebody else from the house is like, oh, I'd really like to go. And I love Margo's like, Todd. No. no. <laughs> yeah, Todd kind of reminded line. me of uh, the guy that was with Penny and. Uh, oh, yeah. During the test. Clinton during the first test yeah. in the previous episode. Yes, yes, yes. So they, they're trying to find a great you know, gift for the people who are putting this on. And they find something that appears to be a magical gin maker. Right. <laughs> That they had to have help translating because it was in Arabic, which I thought was funny. And suddenly somebody comes by who's able to, you know, translate it. And he's super attracted to Elliot. And yeah, <laughs> Mark was a little upset. So Elliot and what was his name? Todd. Uh, well, no, no Todd was the other was guy. The other guy. Um, Mark? Matt? Mike, maybe. Um, it was an M name. <laughs> yes, it was. I'm like, Matt? Matthew, that's the same James. Name. James, wow. Not even close, Sean. Not even close. No, 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 no. Wrong, wrong one. James is Julia's boyfriend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> anyway, cute dude. Let's do that. He helps them translate, and basically they're putting together this this gin still. Margo's pretty ticked off because he's getting in between her and Elliot, and uh, they finally get to make the magical gin. The bottle fills up and she she seemed really happy. And she's like, all right, let's try this. And she opens up and out comes a gin. Yeah. (laughs) Which was, it's a genie. That's what it was, I guess, an old era. (laughs) It wasn't gin you drank. It's gin the genie. Well, that was, he was speaking. I'm assuming it was Arabic Mm -hmm. because most people didn't have a clue what it was. Todd knew what he was saying. But because Margot opened the bottle, she was the master. Right. And she just thinks of something and, oh, okay, it's going to happen. And Elliot's like, what What did you do with my boyfriend? Right. <laughs> I love it. She's like, wait, 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 boyfriend? Hold on, what? No. Because she seemed a little upset. Yes. It, it wasn't, you know, yeah, you go have sex. That doesn't make him your boyfriend. <laughs> right. So next thing we know, she's like, you know, Todd was the one who was able to decipher what he was saying. Right. And he's like, what did you tell him? Because he said your wish will be granted or whatever. 
And it was, I, w- I wish he'd go back where he came from. So they go back to the library. <laughs> I don't know if I can do this. Um, and here we see the guy licking the doorknob. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, oh. All right. I just got to go. Okay. I'm going for it. So basically I'm looking, I'm like, Okay, so she wanted him to bob a knob is what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I'm a horrible person. And she's like, well, I wanted him to suck a different knob. <laughs> it's almost embarrassing saying this because yeah. it's so so childish. And he's just, yeah, on a doorknob. And I could not believe that that was happening, but it was so funny. Oh, it was hilarious. <laughs> Oh, God. Yes, I'm a child. I couldn't help it. And so she had to, you know, give the command to stop and gets the genie back in the bottle. And she decides to still go to Ibiza because Elliot wanted to stay with his new boyfriend. Yes. She was upset. Oh, yeah. She was not happy. But she takes Todd with her. And I love it. She's like, Todd, you're in charge of the bottle. (laughs) And don't say anything. (laughs) Right. But then we see Elliot and his little friend boy toy in bed and the boy toy gets up goes in to the kitchen opens the refrigerator gets a bottle of water turns around and you see a moth on a mirror mirror and his eyes light up yeah i was i'm like oh man i wasn't expecting that yeah (laughs) so he's the beast take different form or the beast has taken over this guy what do we think with that I think it's, uh, the beast has taken over him. I don't think the beast is, for some reason, is not able to be completely human. That's why we see the moths around his head all the time. Oh, okay. And the guy's name was Mike. Oh, wasn't him? Yeah. Like M name. All right. So I think we, for real, covered everything this time. <laughs> yeah. And Honestly. believe me, there was some great lines. Uh, they're gift last year the previous year (laughs) this is a shout out to one of our podcasters yes it is liz this one's for you a bag of fucking working dicks (laughs) yes oh yes this is something that she says like choke on a bag of dicks all the time so when they said this i was cracking up yes something oh my goodness all right so i think we covered both episodes pretty well. Like I said, we'll go back. Um, I don't think there's much else to cover for this, these two. No, no, there were great episodes. If you haven't seen them, you need to watch them because yeah. they were fantastic. There was a lot of character growth. So I think Sci-Fi 9 shall come to an end. Yes. So, of course, we want you to rate and review us um, on all of... All the different platforms, iTunes, Google Play, Podomatic, the website, fangirlzone.com. Good ratings help other people find us. And, of course, it helps other fans of the show know exactly how you feel about the show and our show. So tell your fans. Tell your fans. <laughs> tell your Tell all your fans. Tell your friends, uh, family. And, of course, we hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you want to get a hold of Fangirl Zone, of course, go to fangirlzone.com, Fangirl Zone on Facebook, fangirlzone at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at Jetta528. Steve is often on Twitter, too, helping out with the awesome tweets during the show. Unfortunately, because of work, I've missed a few. Yes. 
but Steve, you want to tell everybody where you are as well? You can find me on the Twitter machine at Sawyer Steve. Uh, you can also find me on Witness Prophecies, a Sleepy Hollow podcast, C-Word, an Orphan Black podcast, and the Pod Doctors, a Doctor Who podcast, as well as yeah. Sports Night on Hollow Nine. I was just going to say, don't forget your new show. <laughs> yeah. Steve's a busy Something man. Something completely different. Sports. Monty Python? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I Sometimes probably it reminds me of a Monty Python skit. <laughs> probably one of the few females that you know that probably really enjoy Monty Python. I'm strange, I guess. Not at all. <laughs> All right, everybody. So for this episode of Sci-Fi Talk, I'm Sean Fangirl S. I don't like spam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Until next time. Bye. I don't like spam. <laughs>